0: What's up everyone, welcome back to Off The Chain, the backbone for storytelling across builders, creators, and collectors within Web3. Each episode we dive into how these technologists use the power of blockchain to build businesses and foster creativity. Today we've got Gigi Graziosi Casimiro, the senior XR and Metaverse producer at Decentraland. For those who don't know, Decentraland is a 3D virtual world browser-based platform built on Ethereum. In her role, Gigi is bridging the gap between fashion brands across the world and the Metaverse. Today's podcast talks about fashion and the Metaverse and how they complement each other, putting together Metaverse Fashion Week 2022, bringing the Metaverse into physical channels, and the idea of the Metaverse being a work in progress. Enjoy. Gigi, it's so good to meet you. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Happy New Year.
0: You as well. You are the first guest that I'm having on the podcast this year, so I'm very excited for this. I've heard wonderful things, and hopefully we have a great conversation today.
1: I'm super excited. I love chatting with incredible people, Dylan, so I'm super excited.
0: Love that. And so I know who you are, but before we get into it, can you just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you currently do?
1: Sure. I am Gigi Casimiro. I work as senior XR producer and events producer at the Decentraland Foundation, and also I'm the head of Metaverse Fashion Week, and I do have a quite multidisciplinary background, so we can talk a lot about many things today.
0: (laughs) And from a multidisciplinary background, you've lived all over the world, Asia, North and South America, you've lived in Europe... Where are you currently based? And what's been your favorite city or country that you've lived in?
1: That's a funny question because I don't have really an answer. I am a nomad, a nomadic person today. So I still don't have a home. I have a storage that is in Lisbon. So I have three bags, all my suitcases are there, uh, but I really live everywhere. So my answer is my things are in Lisbon. If that gives you some sense of relief, some comfort. Yes. Uh, And definitely, I think South Korea was one of the most incredible experiences because for me, it was really detaching from the occidental Western culture and going beyond. And I think seeing a different perspective on so many things, not just culture, but uh, how people relate to each other, relationships and cuisine. And I do have till today lots of friends in South America from a Korean background. So it was really special to me. I felt it was a place where past future and present coexist in peace you
0: know that's really beautiful and from a work perspective you previously spent time at the first augmented reality art market app in latin america you're now at decentraland what made you transition into decentralization in the world of nfts
1: Well, it started actually, I think, in my my previous works that were really pretty much like in the XR industry and working with immersive worlds that was already somehow connected to what eventually would be called the metaverse, right? So whoever was working with digital twins or experiences in 360 or WebGL or VR, they were already on that path. But I do feel that the discussion on decentralization really came from my PhD that was focused on the politics behind digital memory, pretty much. And then I started really researching about the monopoly of, of digital memory, the tools out there. And then eventually I found a manifesto from the 80s about crypto anarchy and how in the beginning of the internet, there was already a concern about data privacy, data ownership and individuals' privacy. So I think that's when I really started thinking about it. And then the central and just converged sort of my academic work, with my professional experience.
0: And before we keep going, what does XR mean?
1: (laughs) It's like all the immersive media. So virtual reality, augmented reality, uh, video mapping, anything that is spatial immersive is technically XR, which is very old industry, to be very honest. Like VR is something that people have been trying since I think late 70s, early
0: 80s. That's so fascinating. And so when it comes to the metaverse, what does the metaverse mean to you? How would you define the metaverse?
1: Well, the metaverse, first of all, I think it's a work in progress. Is not something static, uh, idle, that it is a product. I think yeah. is a stage of a technology we have today. And I would connect with a more spatial internet. So a lot of people... Uh, we're calling what what is like 360 or 3D experiences as the spatial web. And I do believe that we're going to transition from a 2D internet to a more 3D based internet. And this is where, in my opinion, metaverse uh, exists. But the metaverse will only exist as we want, in my opinion, when it comes out of base screens. Uh, while this is contained in our computers, I don't think it's going to like really reach its full capability. So... We need to bring the mixed media, the immersive medias, to fully bring life to the metaverse.
0: And can AR include the metaverse? Or to you, is pure metaverse really VR?
1: In my opinion, the metaverse doesn't necessarily need to be VR. It could be any 3D environment that could be AR or or VR. But mostly, I think today, our virtual worlds contained into screens or consoles or desktop or browser based like if you look into the centralen or even cryptovoxos or the sandbox they are all or desktop based or they are browser right so i do think that augmented reality it's going to be one of the tools to unlock the metaverse and is still not fully explored but mostly the 3d worlds i would consider metaverse today at least
0: you know, I've heard you speak before and I'm hearing you now and I see the expression on your face and you seem so excited about what you work on. Why is the metaverse so exciting to you?
1: I think the metaverse is exciting because it's really unlocking possibilities we could not before. And I think it's going to be a moment of critical thinking about where the tech brought us. You know, like we have been talking about immersive experiences and defeating the physics and the metaverse. Is the beginning of making those ideas accessible to each individual. So this is what excites me. You know that is really bringing that into a level of popularity that everybody will be in the metaverse because it's the natural stage of the internet. It's just three dimensionalizing. It's it's almost like bringing the the internet as a place that is uh, like not clear defined with no boundaries to a place where we understand what it is. So you have land. You have geography, you have coordinates, it's way more humanized internet than we knew before.
0: So from a practicality perspective, and what we can actually do with the metaverse, you led production for the metaverse fashion week 2022 which hosted more than 70 global fashion houses, designers, and artists. Can you tell us a bit more about this event, including who was involved and what got them excited about this opportunity?
1: Of course. So the Metaverse Fashion Week 2022 was really the first experimental edition of this event. Um, And it really started from us looking back to the community of users that existed at that point at the central End and how they were very much creators for fashion. They were already creating a lot of digital garments and fashion elements for their own events. So that was our start. And then slowly we started finding key pioneering partners like the UNXD luxury marketplace. And we started with them really uh, conceptualizing what would be this virtual fashion week that is non-territorially bounded, but mostly globally. And anyone can come for free. So this idea of making it accessible. So the event was really pioneering in that sense, but it was an opportunity for us to connect brands that are very well known in the industry with new creators. And I think that became the most precious thing about this event, you know, being able to put together two generations of creators and bounding them with projects. So. Lots of brands like Dolce & Gabbana or Etru had their garments, their digital clothing, tailored virtually by new designers or digital creators that were part of that ecosystem. So I think the creator's economy was quite key for us to discuss. And we had a very short time. We had three months. We made it happen. And lots of lessons learned are shaping the next edition that we're already working on.
0: What were some key learnings that you took away from throwing the event?
1: many but the first the first one was (laughs) i'm super critical so after the event ended i was already doing a document with all the things we're not gonna do next year so one of them is plan ahead of time i think we are used to throw parties and events in the metaverse context with very short time and sometimes we think too much about quantity rather than quality so two things maybe reduce the number of brands but giving them a more immersive experience opportunity. And second, really starting production at least five months ahead. And this time we were able to do that, even though now we have three months to go, but now people have their briefs, they're already producing. So we were able to do ahead. Another thing I felt is it's very difficult to discuss the metaverse in just one platform, right? Because brands, they have their identities and. Pursuing people to deem down their own expectations, the visuals of their work or their brand to just one platform, sometimes it's not fair. So this is why I started really pitching that we should do a cross metaverse event for 2023 with other platforms. So we also start debating interoperability, maybe not in a technical level, but in an intentional level. You know, like throw to the universe and it will give back to you. So. Uh, we decided to make that also a possibility for brands to do cross metaverse activations to increase the possibilities for creative teams and so on.
0: And from a successful perspective, what were some wins that you took out of the experience? Uh, I
1: think it was a PR success in the sense that we had like 7 billion impressions. It's insane. So I think the return on investment for brands from a PR perspective was really high. Because they were able to collect a lot of visibility, especially regarding the metaverse. But I think, in terms of building things, the experience was quite interesting because it was a crossroads of generations and was without any doubt a space for a lot of brands to come and experience for the first time, for us to be able to onboard a lot of journalists from the fashion field. And, you know, it's like dipping the toe and trying to understand. So I think in that sense, it was really successful and it, it left marks the, th- the whole year. Like through the whole year, people were talking about it, when it's going to be the next one. So I think it left some good impression overall.
0: So interesting. And my next question is a little vague, but would love to get your POV on it. It's how do you see the metaverse shaping the future of fashion?
1: Hmm. Well, I like physical fashion also, so I'm going to say that because I, I know that... You
0: trendy- look very trendy today. I will say that.
1: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I really like to buy physical clothes. Uh, but I think that what the digital fashion brings to us and how the metaverse can help is that, first of all, there are many verticals within fashion that can expand their retail possibilities, their return on investment, their, like, their sales. So definitely... As an extension of the e-commerce, we already know, definitely that is going to happen through the metaverse so-called. I feel also that for loyalty programs, that's something that now we are transitioning from a very superficial moment of NFTs to utility in NFTs. I think that's the core discussion. So bringing utility to those clothes uh, as passes for accessing virtual world services, vouchers, discounts, community and so on. I think that's also how the metaverse can really change and then create this bridge between the digital and the physical, because we have to remember traditional fashion still need to sell the physical product. I would say at least for the next 10 years, I don't think that's going to change as much. And the third thing is definitely fast fashion. Uh, We always had the problem of sustainability with people buying clothes just to maybe show off on social media, I think for that, digital fashion is a great solution because you really can have incredible surreal garments that you can use with augmented reality, let's say, or solutions like Ouroboros, Institute of Digital Fashion, Artisan, Dress X, the fabricant that allow us to wear beyond reality, things that we want to share on social media. And sorry to extend, but the final destination, I hope beyond five years, is when the hardware technologies will allow us to really wear those AR outfits as part of our regular day fashion, you know. When that happens, I think the full value of those NFTs will be visible and and,
0: and valued by all. So you mentioned that for the Fashion Week, one of the biggest wins was PR. Which is mm-hmm. incredible that you reach 7 billion impressions. And from a marketing perspective, that is extremely high, especially in such a new space. Are you seeing fashion houses looking at the metaverse right now as just a marketing ploy? Or are they continuing to see more about what they can actually do with it and how they can tie it into their larger programs? In
1: 2022, I think it was more of a marketing tool and really PR channel, you know, I do feel that. Now, 2023, I think it's coming after recession a <laughs> recession in the physical world, in the digital world, bear market so many uh, complex discussions. And I do feel that brands are entering the space thinking exactly about return on investment and tangibility and authenticity. So how can I keep being myself in this space? And how can I bring this digital initiative also to my retail, to my physical product? So I do feel that it's all about utility. So they're looking into what they can create, but from a membership perspective, maybe reaching new audiences or or creating more bonds between the customers they already have and their services or products. So I think now it's not about marketing only. They're trying to create a connection between physical products and digital mostly. And, you know, real results that are not just about marketing or impressions or social media.
0: For brands that are looking to get involved in the metaverse, do they often have hesitations around how many people are actually playing in the metaverse? Absolutely. I think
1: that when you are going to, especially if it comes also from marketing, um, if you're investing or R&D, If you're investing money, you are thinking, what is the result I'm getting from it, right? So if that result is not PR, which you probably would pay to to reach a certain number of visibility or vision or or to be seen by users. I think the problem is that metaverses are still being populated because it's a shift of culture. So a lot of brands will come and say, okay, so I don't know, 60,000 is not that much or 5,000 here and there is not that much. So what I think it's key is that brands, they look into those numbers, but they also look into other numbers like engagement, retention, how those communities are expanding the discussion on Twitter, let's say. So it's not straightforward, just look at how many users, but you have to look into how that resonates in the internet, you know? So they have to look a little bit beyond, but yes, yeah, there is a big concern on those numbers
0: always. And if you were the head of a fashion house... How would you enter into the metaverse? What would be your initial steps to get your team comfortable with what it actually means? Would you dive full steam ahead or would you take baby steps? And if you were to take either baby steps or go full steam ahead, what would that actually look like? If
1: I was ahead, <laughs> that's a good question. If I was ahead of a fashion move on, right? I think I would try to look into what is impossible for me to do in the world I live today. So I have been repeating this to many brands and magazines. I think I would go slowly, because very slow, because I I would like to keep my identity and my values, but I would try to do impossible things. So time travel, archives, those are things that people are not doing much in the metaverse. But imagine you going back into the moment where Chanel created the first suit that or the first pants or the first piece or looking back into magazine covers and creating spatial experiences about those. So I would definitely go into experiences that are not just a hype for today, but they have a strong story. So that is timeless. The thing is, people sometimes focus too much on tech and they don't do a timeless storytelling. The things that remain are timeless storytelling, and I would take my time. And that's what I say to brands. I say, listen. You're, this is not mandatory. You don't have to do it. You have to feel it resonates with your community and your customers. If it doesn't, chill. Your time will come and do something that has big values. You know, Otherwise, those are strong values, if they're not there, it's not going to work. And you're going to be frustrated. So I will take my time and I will do something timeless.
0: I find that to be really interesting because you can see fashion houses looking at this as a fork in the road where in one sense they can say, why don't we just create entirely new designs that don't exist in the real world yet? But that takes a lot of R&D or exactly what you said, you have these archives of tens and hundreds of years of work that you've already done that's sitting in a library static somewhere people should consider bringing those to life first see the metrics that come with it and then be able to say okay maybe we then end up building something new for the metaverse
1: yeah I- I, I particularly like the idea of looking back that's also some, because see, I think maybe this is the academic side that you always have to basis your discussion, your hypothesis and people that came before you, right? So any academic debate, you need to have a base on an author that came before you. So I do feel that traditional Maisons, they should look into the rich narrative. They have been creating for generations and decades and maybe work from there i think that may be a more comfort place comfortable place for them to start and they can unfold let's say you can have a vintage look that is really groundbreaking the beginning of everything let's say the first Balenciaga look and from there you can recreate co-create with the new generation different versions of that same inspired look but i feel that sometimes just starting from out of nowhere let's do something crazy Three D printing, but where you're coming from when you lose that link, I think that's when brands lose their story and and their identity in the space.
0: Yeah, and if you don't have the right resources, that's obviously an issue as well. And I think from a positive perspective, what we have seen work so well is what Artifact and Nike are doing together, where mm-hmm. you know Artifact came in as a startup and said we don't have anything that is legacy. And then Nike said, hey, we want to look towards the future. Let's bridge what someone's already doing. And I think that's been a really special marriage so far. I would say that is definitely not the norm. And they really picked up a wonderful company to be able to partner with. But it's definitely going to be very difficult to say, hey, let's shift everything that we've been doing, which has been so physical, and dive into this completely digital, sorry, let's not replace everything that we've been doing so physical and replace it with digital because, again, they may not just have the resources to be able to accomplish what the likes of Nike and Artifact has done.
1: Yeah, I think it makes... No, no, no. I think it makes so much sense. And I do think that it's not easy to just simply transition from a mindset as an organization or corporation from the physical world to just suddenly, oh, everything is digital. Also, because... That's not how things are. We cannot be extreme. I have a problem when people are too extreme on things. That's not how the world, we have to remember that we have been innovating forever from fire to artificial intelligence. There were many cycles of innovation and doesn't matter what technology we created, the technology that disrupted the world was always bringing us back sometimes to the physical world like photography, immersive installations every time So I do feel that when you look at those examples, like Nike and Artifact, it's really a great place to be because they're really trying to find each other's best, you know, but definitely I think there are communities that yet do not understand what Artifact brings to Nike. You know, I think that there's still a lot of people that do not understand the value and they will when those technologies are not in the computer, when they don't have to go there and go to their pods or to see their clonex, it's just gonna simply be everywhere or come with the product. When that happens, I think everyone will understand what Artifact is doing for Nike, if you know what I mean.
0: I totally understand, and, and that makes a lot of sense. What I would love to do is shift to your work over at Decentraland. Obviously, during COVID, digital production increased exponentially. What's the appetite for that now that the world has really totally opened up?
1: That's a very key question because I do feel, and that's a very personal opinion, I do feel that we saw in 2021 and 2022 uh, the metaverse being consolidated and then people were like productizing the metaverse, you know, like you got to do something in the metaverse. Why? Because of the metaverse. You got to be there, you know, it's it's the thing. And then now I feel that we are, you know, things are cooling down a little, and we are understanding that the metaverse is a tool, is a tool that is going to fit a corporation, is going to is going to fit a purpose, and that is going to be used by corporations, companies, and brands on demand when they need. And I think us as producers, we need to understand how we can help them to identify that moment, not creating a new problem. For our brand but actually looking into the problem they already have in their whole ecosystem and saying, listen this is what we can do for you we see already that you have an issue and the metaverse is an excellent tool to solve that problem so the appetite may be different i don't know if it is less i think that now people are not just doing for doing it they are trying to think okay i have an issue how can i solve this issue with a metaverse platform or with the metaverse activation and also I think activation is a term that is going to stop existing in the sense that I think brands are trying to think long-term processes in the metaverse, not just I go there, I do something, and I disappear, you know?
0: That leads to my next question, which I think I know the answer to, but does Decentraland replace or complement what's happening IRL?
1: I think it complements, you know? It's going to be an extension of that story because we still cannot fly in this world right we still cannot do a lot of things in this world that we are bounded to our body so definitely it's going to be an extension of a narrative many times it's going to be um, an extension that is surreal that allows something impossible and i think also it's going to unlock other possibilities in a global scale because we always have to remember that some irl experiences are location-based and you cannot bring all your customers or audience at the same place at the same time. And I think the metaverse will allow that global village community to also exist.
0: Over the past six months, especially with the bear market, what's been the appetite for brands getting involved in Decentraland? Are you having to convince them more Or are they coming to you ready to run and open with ideas and they just need an execution partner?
1: I think that so far, um, what I'm observing is that brands are coming with their own internal teams already focused on 3D. So I think that's a way for them to cut costs because I would say last year they would come and say, listen, we are willing to pay someone to do this for us. So now what I feel is that they come to DCL as a partner in production. Uh, but not necessarily trying to find teams or resources. They have to put more money on the table. You know, they will come, we have a team. Can you educate us? Can you help us to find land? Can you enable this experience and co-produce with us rather than we doing everything for them or introducing them to studios? Or, so that's what I feel. They're cutting costs, uh, having their own dedicated teams to 3D, but they are coming still uh, to like co-create with us. So it's, it has not been that difficult yet. But I think sponsorship is a different discussion. Getting money from people right now, it's not that easy. So if you want to sponsor for an event, that is not going to be as simple as maybe it was in 2021 or 2022.
0: And when they talk about the experience itself, what needs to improve for these brands' digital experiences to be even better?
1: Many things. I And the truth is that <laughs> the metaverse is, crawling right now we are still learning how those platforms will exist and of course we do have hardware limitations and software limitations so first of all i think there is a high expectation from brands and, and the overall industry to have a high resolution experiences one day right so i think this is the first thing we listen all the time now user experience also has been has to be improved, especially when we talk about blockchain virtual worlds, right? Because still not that simple. You have many steps, you have different funnels that, oh, you have to log in into your MetaMask, and then you have to uh, sign a transaction and not for everyone that is easy. So I think there is a lot of improvement to be done there, how we can just facilitate things and you know? don't make them complicated. So I would say user experience and graphics still have to improve a lot. But we are working that on a daily basis, trying to improve it.
0: What's the typical demographic of those participating in your Decentraland shows? And who else would you like to be attracting?
1: Well, right now, based on our market research, like we did research on that uh, last year, we recognize that our community is mostly from 18 to 45-ish years old. But people that do have an understanding, they're crypto enthusiasts, right? So that means that our people that can purchase items, they purchase NFTs, they invest in cryptocurrencies. I think it will be really interesting to expand to users that are really new to that space. I think we try that more and more, but we need to improve the overall onboarding experience, which we are. And recently, the platform launched a, a new feature called Worlds that allows people to create Outside, like without any need of buying a land or or being a landowner, they can just deploy an experience like a separated website, almost like uh, Dylan verse powered by decentraland. You know, so I think those are efforts to really bring that to everyone and not to make it very complicated and also to expand to other audiences that are not crypto friendly or even blockchain educated.
0: I find that with. Many companies that I speak to, advise, chat, etc., where they've built these products that are so crypto-friendly. But while we're still in this bear market, we need to make sure that we're onboarding some of the normies. And so people are definitely looking for what sort of sub-products can we build to get people involved in our verse, our own world, yeah. our own metaverse, to be able to educate them, get users, and then maybe one day have them graduate into some of more of the advanced products. So very interesting that you said that.
1: Yeah, correct. And and the truth is, we can't just um, intimidate the generation or the demographic that is not inside our space, because we are the minority, right? So we have to understand that the difference here, like the majority of people yet do not understand. They also feel afraid of investing. So we have to slowly educate. And in my opinion, there are two things that you can do to increase this connection, empathy and sympathy. You really need to to understand what the other person is going through. They struggle of entering the space and not intimidate. So I think all platforms, we have to create some byproducts, as you mentioned, and and, and create bridges with the other communities
0: well without you even knowing that i think that is the perfect closing statement gigi this has been an absolute pleasure and i'm so glad that we now have this relationship i really wish you the best of 2023 and i hope you and i can stay in touch this has been so much fun
1: absolutely i'm super happy dylan we have to create a dylan verse and invite people to go to your your metaverse but I would love to stay in touch. Thank you for the invitation. And let's unfold the possibilities of the Web3 space. We are here to do that. That's our mission.
0: I love that so much and enjoy the rest of your week.
1: You too. Thank you so much.
0: Bye. That's it, everyone. Hope you enjoyed. Hit that subscribe button and we'll see you next time.